0: Hi everyone and welcome to ProPract Symposium. ProPract Symposium is a professional practice webinar where artists share their knowledge on topics which were identified as issues in seasons one and two of the podcast. ProPract Symposium has been generously supported by City of Melbourne and we would also like to thank SiteWorks and the Centre for Dramaturgy and Curation for hosting us here in their office today. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay respect to their Elders, past, present and emerging. And to the Elders of the Lands, this podcast and symposium reaches you on today. We extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. This session is on artist residencies and we're joined by Andy Butler and Eliza Roberts where we will be discussing all things related to artist residencies.
1: Thanks Nicole. I'm going to head straight in and introduce our uh, wonderful panellists or guests that we have. Andy Butler is an early career artist, writer and curator. His writing on art and politics has been published widely including in the Saturday paper, the monthly Art in Australia, Overland and Runway. He has recently exhibited his work at Bus Projects, First Draft, Footscray Community Art Centre, C3 and The Substation, and worked on curatorial projects at Bandura Homestead Art Centre and Blindside. In 2019, he undertook an asia Link creative exchange with Green Papaya in Manila, Philippines, and in 2018, a Writers' Immersion and Cultural Exchange in Jakarta, Indonesia through RMIT. Andy is on the board of 7th gallery and the Emerging Writers Festival and is the program curator at Space. Welcome Andy. And our other guest is Eliza Roberts. Eliza Roberts was appointed the inaugural executive director of ResArtiste in 2016, where her role is focused on fundraising, public profile and strategy for the organization. Eliza served on the Resartes Board of Directors from 2012 to 2016, including a two-year term as Vice President from 2014. For six years, Eliza worked as Artist Residencies Manager at AsiaLink, Australia's most long-standing artist residency program in the region. Eliza has diverse experience in the arts industry, having worked at a range of local, international institutions and organisations, including Christie's Auction House in London, and the Ian Potter Museum, and also Artbeck. So welcome, Eliza. Thanks for joining us as well. This is a very timely conversation because of the situation that we're currently experiencing with COVID. So obviously this conversation will span both pre and our current and maybe look to the future of what is to happen with artist residencies. When I, we were planning this the kind of global effects um, of COVID hadn't really fully integrated into everyone's lives yet. So the conversation will probably evolve just as we are all kind of evolving with um, daily updates and changes. But I'd like to start off with asking you, Eliza, what is a residency? As a term can often get misused
2: or overused and maybe could even provide some different residency models. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you very much for the introduction and for having both Andy and myself here. Um, And hi to everyone listening in. Um, Hopefully you're snug in your pyjamas staying out of this crazy weather um, and enjoying listening in for the next hour or so just just very briefly i'll explain about what res artists is and does and so we're an international network um mostly of arts residency operators but we've also got artists and funders and curators researchers as part of our membership Um, we're the peak organization for the arts residencies field And really our aim is to um, maintain the quality of the arts residencies field um, and ensure its sustainability and growth. Um, That's just to put it very briefly, I think you've probably got a lot of artists who are tuning in and they'll be familiar with our website in particular, um, looking at residency opportunities there. Um, The the definition of what an arts residency is, is actually more complicated than it sounds. I think it's it's kind of like one of those terms that, due to um, the rapid expansion in the field, it's become very popular. And I think there's a lot of um, misuse actually. So it's like you know other terms such as curate or pop up. Um, like I've got a. a Pizza restaurant near me that says on the window, you know, curated pizza gallery. It's a bit like that. Um, so, if you to go back to the the historical significance or um, you know emergence of residencies, um, the term residency is very much related to its lexical meaning, which is to reside in a place. Um, And the term was coined in the 1900s with the rise of artist colonies um, throughout the US, Europe, and then later throughout the world. Um, Artist has attempted a definition um, and you can find that on our website, resartist.org. There's so many scales and models of arts residencies and that's what makes it so complex to to pin down. Um, But for us, I guess, some of the fundamental um, core principles of a residency are about um, adequate time, space, and resources. Um, It's an enabler of a creative output or creative work. And I think that um, the word exchange is really important. So it's an exchange between the artist, um, obviously the the host or residency provider, um, and also the place. And community. So, yeah, for me and for Res Artists, um, they're they're the fundamental underlying principles, but Kira, you've already outlined um, or flagged, I guess, um, COVID and I actually anticipate that definition might shift. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of studio residencies that are very popular at the moment. Um, I imagine they might become more popular um, local local residencies will also um, take precedence. And I think that um, we can talk about that in more detail later, but a lot of virtual and online uh, activities will take place around residencies. Um, leading on, I think,
1: like, time, space and resources in exchange, like, it's such a... It's really nice to actually hear that broken down because often you have, um, you know, in... The art world we just kind of think of a residency and even when you're talking to maybe a family member or someone outside of the arts and you're like oh i'm going on a residency and they're like why do you get to do that or what is that yeah Um, those four words are actually like they're really good for me to actually just think about that that is That's what it is, and that's a really great way of explaining um, that to someone. I think it would be really great if we could identify some of the benefits of undertaking a residency for both the artist and then um, by flow and effect the wider artistic community that surrounds the artist that is undertaking it. Um, I was wondering, Andy, if maybe you could talk to both your own experience of going on residency and and how this has impacted your work, but also your observations on how undertaking residencies affect our community, our own arts community?
3: Mm. Yeah, thank you so much for that question and for having me today. I'm really yeah grateful to be here. Um, and thank you so much for that um, definition, Eliza. It's actually really great to hear, like, so clearly what it is, like, that a residency should be. And I think that it really touched on some, like, really clear points on, like, no matter the sort of, like, structure or scale or scope of residency, that, like, those are some really core things around time, space, resources, but also exchange that, like, I think, yeah, at all different scales are kind of, like, what residencies need. And, yeah, I I guess I'll, I'll begin by talking about, like, sort of my own experience with residencies and then the broader, like, sort of effects on a community so, I, yeah, I guess, like, in a really short amount of time, in about three and a half years, I've done four residencies, um, sort of two locally. Yeah, two locally and two internationally, like, of different scales. And I feel like sort of at each residency, like, I had, like, quite, quite a big, like, creative outcome didn't necessarily happen like on the residency, but it was just this like time and space to really reflect on like what I was doing and why. And like, even if I didn't really like the work that I was making at the time, like it sort of really fed into what would like, what would happen like sort of further down the line. But I think the most significant, sorry, I've done yeah two residencies like one was just like a studio residency here in Melbourne, and another one was in Portsea, like a couple of years ago. But the sort of the two ones that have made a huge impact are these like ideas of creative exchange. So, um, yeah, so I did a, um, a writing residency through RMIT in 2018, where it was like five Australian writers and five Asian writers coming together in somewhere in Asia. So, I spent two weeks in Indonesia with these writers. It was all about exchange and sort of meeting each other. Uh, and then this age link residency was also sort of like founded on this idea of exchange. Uh, and I feel like the thing that really was really beneficial for me, I think, is that it's sort of like being overseas and being outside of this incredible inward looking bubble that the Melbourne art scene can be acutely and like. Sort of the Australian art scene is more broadly the sort of getting, the, getting that outside perspective on what is happening here is really really fruitful like yeah uh, but also sort of understanding where it is that our arts community fits within a broad international dialogue um, and I think that that's really important for pushing like the sorts of work that is created within a specific like geographically located arts community and so I think that these residencies sort of have this real, like, ongoing effect for both, like, the place where the artist is going and the sort of art scene that they're from, that it's sort of this, like, ongoing exchange of ideas and practices and ways of working that can really shape the sort of, yeah, the sort of things that come out of a community. Because, yeah, I yeah, I sort of see, like, going overseas or bringing, like, an overseas artist here to Melbourne, like, it's just this way of, like, piercing this bubble That like everyone's working in and like slowly trying to let in ideas and sort of (laughs) yeah filter through the practices of different people. Mm. Yeah, on that um,
1: notion as well of the idea of time, I did a residency um, through a space called Signal Fire. Um, which is located in Oregon in the US. And they have a publication called Leaf Litter. And I believe it was an article written by one of the founders, Amy Harwood, who um, wrote about perspective and time and how a residency can, it may not be the having an outcome, but the, um, the space, the time... And perspective is really important for an artist mm-hmm. to remove themselves from their community and have a different experience.
3: would
1: mm-hmm. um, from your position, you can probably see a very like wide view of what those benefits are, having worked in your different roles and seeing artists like before they undertake a residency and after, um, and see how that can kind of affect them in different ways. Um, what are some of the benefits
2: that you? identify um yeah I think I think this time out for reflection is a really interesting and important concept and I was I had another zoom meeting the other day with someone in Sweden and we were joking about this idea um that COVID has kind of created a residency for everyone like everyone is having time out for reflection in some way um whether you know like I'm incredibly busy in fact more busy than I've ever been in my entire life right now but you're still sort of reshaping things and yeah. evaluating um so yeah that was that's quite interesting but yeah I think I think the benefits for for artists uh, huge and, and many and um, obviously the creation of new works um, it's time for, it can be time for experimentation and pushing the boundaries of an artist's practice as well um, so often artists come out of residencies and perhaps um, you know with new skills or um, different perspectives that push their their practice in a, a new focused way um, they can obviously be motivated and inspired by new surroundings and um, a different setting, different cultural landscape. Um, intercultural understanding, of course, is a very important element of this. Um, you know, I guess positioning yourself as a, as a resident in a, a new society or um, perhaps unknown place. Um there's outcomes and not every residency demands outcomes but ultimately there are outcomes i've i've never met a artist in residence who hasn't had an outcome of some description and and i think that it takes quite a while for artists to um i guess Com- decompress from a residency experience mm. um ultimate ultimately the the outcomes are there's immediate outcomes of course in terms of an exhibition or publication whatever it might be then there's sort of medium term outcomes um which are usually back in the artist's own country perhaps it's a showing of the work they created um on residency or a talk or something which is also creating this sort of trickle-down effect through their peers and the local arts community. Um, and then long-term, I think, is where the really interesting um, outcomes occur. Um, I think, you know, residencies can literally be life-changing for some artists, and it's not only professionally, but also personally, just in their approach to arts practice and the structure of how they even go about their day. Um, and on a more personal level, you know, when I used to run Asia Links Arts residency program, for example, we had, you know, births, deaths and marriages that occurred from <laughs> residency programs um, or, yeah, people even changing their whole lives around um, so that their partner would take on a different role to them. It's, it's, it is that time out for reflection that enables all of these benefits to occur.
1: Mm. These have been
2: really great
1: um, kind of pinpointing those things, but there's also kind of the extended side of an artist residency where um, it doesn't just affect the artist and the arts community from which they come from. The artist visiting also affects the community that they are visiting, Um, which, again, as um, you've both pointed out, that idea of exchange is really important. But then it kind of—it's such a ripple effect because often it's not just the community; it's the town, it's the city, and the country. And often, as you also said, Eliza, there's so many different models of residency programs, and some of them are very much integrated into different kind of exchanges between cities, um, or are tied up in tourism or financial investments from different people. And there's different—it's um, a the word, but I guess there's there's different stakeholders involved and I'm just wondering um from the perspective of an artist do you think that there needs to be kind of a level of transparency from the like host organizations or um about what their interest in hosting an artist is or do you think that it's kind of should be up to the artist to kind of investigate that relationship further
3: I'm I mean yeah. I can yeah um, That's really interesting about um yeah, thinking about the host organisation. I actually think the relationship between the artist and the host organisation is incredibly important. And like, I don't know if I'd, especially if it was like a inter- big international residency, I wouldn't necessarily want to show up to a host organisation without them being invested in the reason why I'm there. Yeah. Like, I just don't think and it'd sort of just be not a waste of people's time, but I just feel like the outcomes will be so much stronger if there's this real like, link between the reasons why the artist wants to be there and, like, the remit and nature of the organisation that they're working with. It can just be a really powerful relationship. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I think that, like, you know, if you're an artist looking at an organisation, like, on the internet trying to figure out, like, whether or not you're the right fit, like, you may not be the best judge of that. Like, and so it's kind of, like, I think it's great that, like, yeah, organisations could be should be quite transparent about, like, what sorts of artists they're looking for mm. and why they're looking to work with those sorts of artists.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, as someone maybe on the flip side, when you're reading through residency applications, um, it becomes incredibly clear, um, people who have just sort of thought, oh, yeah, that looks really nice, I'll apply there, and maybe copied and pasted from a, a previous application, um, mm-hmm. and as opposed to someone who's really passionate about um, matching their practice and proposal with the host and the location.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: and I think yeah. it's it's really important that the host um also has a say in the selection of the artists that it is the case most of the time but i know some programs don't have that particularly when there's reciprocal exchanges involved Mm -hmm. um and for me it's so important that they have that um that say and that buy-in and investment as you say into that person's practice and what they're actually proposing to do i think it's fundamental to the success of any residency
1: Mm -hmm. yeah um I want to lead on from that because you've kind of already opened up um, to my next question, which I would really love to discuss with you both, um, Eliza being someone who um, has read through, I'm sure, countless
0: awesome. amounts of
1: <laughs> applications and Andy's someone who um, is an excellent writer Um, I would really love to talk about some practical elements about applying to undertake a residency, what you think makes a strong application, how you think your practice should fit into the um, ideas of that arts um, organisation that's um, going to be hosting you, as well as thinking about where you're travelling to and um, how to be kind of... Uh, match. Yeah, match yourself to the to the right kind of residency
2: that's going to work for you best, and hopefully even get in. Well, I, I can just start off um, briefly. So, um, yeah, for me, as I said, I think the, that match between the practice and proposal with the host and location is deeply significant, um, and for artists to be doing their research before they apply. And I, th- I think there's, you know, a few methods of that. Um, so obviously online research, talking to the host organisation directly, um, talking to peers who've done other residencies and if you can, connecting with alumni of that residency program, I think helps hugely. Um, So, yeah, do your research before you apply. Um, Remember to to proofread and edit and maybe get someone else to read your application before you submit. And I know that sounds very basic and you've probably heard it a million times, but as I said, it does become very obvious when people are copying and pasting and sometimes they're applying for a residency in wherever, um, you know, Vanuatu and they've accidentally said that they want to go to Beijing. So these things are very important. I think it's also, you know, the the residency applications that stand out are kind of deeply engaged in research. They're not tokenistic. So I would try and um, steer people away from, unless it's really, really fundamental to what you want to do, You know, an obvious example is if you're looking to go to Mexico, don't say you want to do something with Frida Kahlo unless unless it's (laughs) it's highly, you know, an integral part of your proposal. Um, I think also for me... What I I did read a lot of arts residency applications and still do sometimes today on panels. And I think one thing that stands out a lot is um, people who have a sort of a solid concept, but they are open to opportunity. They're not so stuck in that path that when they get there, they're not going to to shift and change and be responsive to the local situation and local opportunities that come their way. I think that's a really important element. Um, and also maybe being able to demonstrate your ability to engage in a meaningful way in perhaps a new culture, um, being you know uh, act, behaving appropriately according to, to cultural differences and sensitivities and... Um, and I think the last thing I would say is a lot of people forget about the after the residency bit so how are you going to um, continue on that residency experience what's what's it actually going to do to your practice what are some of the outcomes going to be back in your own country with your own peers Um, and that sort of lasting connection and engagement with that country and, and host provider yeah, they're great. Andy, do you have any um, any tips?
3: Yeah, um, those are all really great tips, Eliza. I think that, yeah, it sort of lays out really clearly, I think, what people need to have in the application. I think, like, um, yeah, I guess for me, the way that I think about sort of writing applications, it's sort of trying to answer a few really fundamental questions in a really clear way where it's like, I always think about why this, why now and why me? So it's like thinking mm-hmm. really critically about, like, why is this opportunity, like, perfect for what I want to do? Like, why am I the best person to do it? And, like, why now at this point in my career is it really important? And then, like, sort of how will it then have a broader impact on my career going forward? Um, I think in... Yeah, in a place where you don't necessarily know the outcome, I find, like, having a um, a proposal that makes your research questions really clear is, like... Is also kind of important, where it's like, obviously, you're not going to have like a fully fledged project or idea of the work that you, what, what work you're going to make. But like, I think having a few like questions that are going to guide you while you're there are really important. Um, yeah, and I think it's just like actually really researching the organization and making it really clear like why your practice is really well linked to that organization. And yeah. Sort of, yeah. What the like benefits for both the organisation and for you would be. Yeah.
1: I think that that kind of level of being deeply engaged and invested in the long term, like you said, Eliza, about um, what's going to happen afterwards as well, is like thinking about how this is not going to just impact your career short term, but where this research or this experience can work on your practice at at a a level of your actual practice rather than it kind of just being like a career highlight of, like, getting to go overseas or getting to be funded to do something. But, like, Mm. how will this new material um, that is kind of assisting in a, a development of your practice rather than just kind of, yet yeah, the career level. And kind of going on from that, I was wondering if either of you have any advice on maximising your time while on residency. I think sometimes I have just recently been on a residency and I forgot how sometimes when you arrive in a place that just um, being in a new location can be kind of overwhelming or exciting or all-consuming in all manner of ways and you can kind of get sidetracked from being like, oh, yeah, I'm meant to be, meant to be working on this or, like, different things can change. And like you said, Eliza, being flexible and being able to adapt your project as you need to in that city. I was wondering if either of you could speak to her any ways that you think um, or have used yourself as a way of kind of maximising your time.
2: Um, yeah, I think I think having a, a vague structure is a good plan, but um, also, yeah, being able to throw that out the window and open yourself yeah. up opportunities um, so that simultaneous kind of capability Um So I I would advise um, people to think very carefully about the duration of the residency and what works with their uh, artistic practice and their personal life as well. Um, On on the Artist website, for example, you can search for residencies and you can look at residencies that are family-friendly or partner-friendly. Um, things like that where you might be able to spend a bit more time on your residency than if you were apart from your family. Um, the These sorts of elements that would enable you to maximise it because, as you said, Kira, residencies can be quite overwhelming and, you know, it can take someone one month at least to get settled into a place to find out where everything is and who the key contacts are and, um get their supplies and start thinking about what they want to focus on and doing some research. Um, The second month's usually, you know, creation of new work and networking, and then the third month is usually focused on some sort of outcome. Um, So in my experience, three months is actually a really good amount of time, but obviously um, people need to, to find the appropriate match for them and um, residencies can be actually quite short in duration, um, particularly recently, you know, down to a couple of weeks or right up to a year. So, yeah, doing that research and carefully considering that. Um, yeah, remaining open to opportunity, I think, is a very um, key one. And I think um, also a good tip is just kind of putting yourself out there. You know, you are in a new environment, Um Even if you're sort of a shy, reserved person, usually it doesn't mean you have to be there because no one knows you. Um, So just network and, yeah, sort of push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit because you never know where these conversations will lead to. You could be talking to someone at a bar and then they're like, oh, well, I own a gallery and residency in Kuala Lumpur. Would you like to come there next year? So I think... um, yeah, it's, it's very important to, to network and know that it you'll never know where it could lead you.
1: Yeah. And I think um, people are also really excited to meet artists from Australia as well, like in my own experience, that um, reaching out to people, people are, um, you know, we are quite far away and sometimes people can't get here, so they get very excited about meeting artists from Australia and getting to understand the Australian art scene through the perspective of meeting an artist so it can be really important to be like a representative of your community um and communicate that to people um, as well and yeah most people are really down to meet you once you reach out Mm.
3: yeah Um, i i felt sort of following on for that i i feel like yeah for me before going on this age link residency like Asking people for contacts in Manila was really important and sort of reaching out to people before I arrived. Just because in the whirlwind of travel and then settling into a new city, you're so kind of like out of it and like feeling a little bit like lost and discombobulated that already having contacted people really helped. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but I just feel like, yeah, sort of what Eliza was saying, it's like that openness to like meeting people is really important because I feel like, yeah. I don't know, a lot of like sort of different, travel that I've done recently it's like sort of wherever I've been like talking to other artists is always really fruitful like there's sort of like this understanding of like what you're doing and so it's like there's sort of this thing that already like binds you together Um, yeah and so and I feel like yeah those sorts of relationships have been really great to try and facilitate Um, Mm. yeah so like meeting people is really great but then also not being too hard on yourself either I feel like yeah, sort of trying to pack too much in is kind of, like, yeah, isn't maybe the the best way to go about it either because I find, like, yeah, probably, like, one of the really beneficial things for me is that, like, you know, in Melbourne, I can, you know, go for, like, weeks or months of being, like, incredibly busy and then the actual time away where there's not that, like, seven-day-a-week sort of, like work routine is is really great so i think just like taking a step back as well is really is really good and not putting too much pressure on yourself
1: Mm, yeah i am i do have another question to go on to but i am just kind of brought to mind of um a um speaking with someone last year who um and i think they might even be actually in listening today um talking about how In their day-to-day life, they need to kind of work full-time to, you know, pay rent, to live. um, And the time for the art practice isn't always available. So using artist residencies as a structured time to go away and create a body of work and building that into actually the way that you practice. Um, and I thought that was really interesting and I hadn't really heard that approach before, but I think it's a really fantastic idea. Mm. Um, if you have the privilege to be able to do that, that you can um, think of, you know, your, the artist residency as your production time um, and then kind of your day-to-day life as your kind of like thinking time. And I thought, yeah, that was a really cool idea.
3: I I actually feel like I kind of work in like an opposite way. It's like I sort of, when I'm in Melbourne, I'm usually just in like output mode, like consistently doing output. But then it's like going on a residency that it's kind of like the time that I actually have to critically reflect on what I'm doing and think more deeply about it. Because usually if it's like sort of before all this, like it's just such like a constant hamster wheel of like output that like, yeah I don't know. so that's sort of yeah how i'm sort of seeing my relationship to residencies i guess that it's like not necessarily like outcomes but like in terms of like conceptual development of what i'm doing it's been really significant
1: yeah mm-hmm. it's really interesting and i think that that's um time back with what eliza said earlier that there are so many different models of artist residencies as well and i think when when you are trying to find one that you want to apply for is then like looking at what the different models are and what is going to be suited to what you want to experience and, like, do you want to have a space where it's just time to reflect or to experience another culture or is it a um, you want high, like, output or, you know, as well as thinking about all the other things, that's a good place to start for where to look for, where to apply. I wanted to just touch on this thing because when I was graduating from university, the kind of, like young emerging artist in me would like scale through people's CVs and see where they would show but also like look through all the residencies that they would have done and it was definitely like on my checklist of like one of the things I have to do really like straight out of my career like out of uni is like get a residency on my CV because that's what I thought you kind of had to do it was kind of like one of those have art like professional yeah um and so I'm just wondering in both of your experiences what do you think um do you think it um obviously it advances people's practice in certain ways but do you think it's a necessary thing and do you think that artists need to like that it's something that they have to do I'm a
2: bit biased so I would say yes but (laughs) I I think um I mean, it will be interesting to see what happens after COVID, but I think up to the point of COVID, the world was, you know, no matter what career path you were working through, an artist or anything, um, more and more international experience was seen as a pivotal part of your career. And so I think... um, that were, you know, as part of that, arts residencies were were fundamental to that. I think a lot of artists do have residencies within their CV. So they have obviously, um, you know, solo exhibitions, group exhibitions, awards, residencies. It's become part of um, a regular kind of um, format of CVs. Um, And I I do think it it is important to to demonstrate both local and international experience and residencies are obviously a very effective um, tool to to be able to do that.
0: Um, Just uh, quickly, I want to ask as well, Eliza, um, do you think that that kind of speaks to this um, real, uh, I suppose, like isolationism um, in Australia, that we we do have this real... um, push always that that you know international is always like this the kind of hurdle we have to overcome in Australia that we're so isolated here and we have to like you know go look elsewhere um to kind of like be redeemed as a successful artist in in our peers eyes do you think that's um changing at all or do you think that's you know kind of um really you know important
2: I, th- I think it'd be interesting to see what happens after COVID. I mean, in, in my mind, I think a trend that will occur is um, more local residencies taking place. Um, I think Australians are very good travellers, actually, because we're so far away, you know, it's nothing for us really to jump on a plane for 10 hours and position us somewhere else, whereas people who are in Europe, you know, see that as a very um, long-distance Um, So I think, yeah, there's something in Australians that are, you know, relates to that fact that we we seek um, to get out of Australia and seek that international exposure and um, point of difference. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm.
1: I just wanted to touch on some of the kind of, financial and logistical implications that are placed upon artists when undertaking a residency, um, including taking time off work to travel, um, how do you pay your rent or mortgage when you are not working or undertaking a residency. Obviously, there's some residency options that are funded um, or will go to extreme lengths to help you get funding. But then there are others that you are required to pay for. And given that there is this kind of idea that it is expected that an artist should undertake a residency and often quite early on in their careers, are there some different kind of funding models that you can kind of think of or different strategies that you are aware of that artists have um, used to help finance residencies?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a funny one. I, I just, I feel like... I've never been able to afford to pay for a residency before so I kind of just haven't mm. and it just means that like I've had to search for opportunities that like don't have a fee and just sort of work around it. Um, I think that yeah AsiaLink is such an incredible residency because of how much they pay you to do it. Like mm. it's actually like well funded residencies are kind of in, are incredible. But, um, yeah, I, I guess with the Agelink residency, I was already, like, full-time freelance anyway. So, like, taking that length of time off, it was kind of like a period where I was paid the best I've ever been paid for about a year. Um, so that was, that was kind of great. And then, um, and then when I went to Indonesia for a writing residency, I had a permanent part-time job at the time and just used, like, my annual leave. a project and I think that like sort of before I took that permanent part-time job I was umming and ahhing about moving from casual to permanent part-time and I was talking to like another artist about it and they were like dude if you have annual leave you can use it for projects and I was like oh yeah yeah um and so yeah like now that I'm in a position again where I have a permanent part-time job maybe I'd like sort of use that sort of thing to to try and like fund it but obviously not everyone's in that position I feel like yeah it is actually like a huge financial investment I was like so fucking broke when I got, came back from Asia because it was just like you know even though I was paid quite well to be there like a lot of the momentum behind my freelance projects is sort mm. of a little bit so when I got home I didn't have like articles, like freelance articles to write and get paid Mm -hmm. for. So it was like, it was actually like quite a difficult, yeah, difficult financial period. Yeah. Um, Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I think that, um, well, for starters, there are so many residency models out there and financial models as part of that as well. So there's the big institutions who offer fully paid, um, like, pretty much scholarships to artists to attend. So that includes absolutely any fee you can think of, including airfares and at per diem, um, even to the point of um, an artist's salary for a year. Mm. Um, we've got a couple of, of members, um, one in Sweden I can think of off the top of my head, yeah, that pays artists in residence a salary for a year as well as all their expenses, so look that one up yeah which one's that (laughs) one i can't remember i'll have to i'll have a look and i can send you the information to pass on to everyone um but then there are sort of those third parties like AsiaLink who don't run the actual residency program directly but fund the opportunity in partnership with other providers um and then of course there's sort of um you know, residency operators who need to charge to cover their own operational and support expenses. I, I'm often asked about that because within our membership, we've got a mix of all different types of models um, and it's becoming more and more common for residencies to charge fees. And um, my response is always, um, you know, it's what makes... The landscape of arts residency is interesting to have that diversity in the mix a lot of residencies are operating um as sort of private you know independent kind of um spaces That don't have government support and in fact in some countries um you know parts of southeast asia africa there is absolutely no government funding to access Mm -hmm. um and on the flip side of that i would say that for artists in most places there is funding to access so um around the world i would have to say I mean, I really can't think of an arts council that isn't supportive of residencies. They're incredibly supportive of of residencies um, across the board. So I think I would encourage everyone to investigate funding sources here in Australia Um, if I'm allowed to name some names, I can. Um, so, yeah, like the Australia Council Creative Victoria. Um, if you're tuning in from other states and territories, you can access your own um, state or Territory Arts Council, um, even some local councils like City of Yarra and um, City of Melbourne. Um, there's also through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, the Bilateral Council, so people like the Australia-China Council, Australia-Korea Foundation. Um, and there's also some creative ways of trying to cut down the cost because Andy sort of touched on something, you know, obviously you've got to pay for the travel and residency experience, and um, often it's a requirement and it should be, particularly now that everyone has travel and medical insurance, for example, which can add on an extra cost, Um, but also you're paying for things back home. So if you're renting a studio, if you're paying rent or a mortgage or whatever it might be, you've got to keep those expenses up. Um, I know the Australia Council um, for at least some of their grant rounds, you can apply for funding that covers some of that. Um, so it's worth looking into that. But there's also some creative options, such as um, doing, you know, studio swaps or house swaps, things like that with other artists.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it so something really great there, which is, and I think, again, when we're thinking about where to apply is... Um, You may be applying to a city um, that does not have the same infrastructure for arts funding as we do here in Australia. And as much as, um, you know, we are very protective of our arts funding here and we need to be, we are also incredibly privileged um, and have access Mm -hmm. to money that many people do not have. Um, And so I think being aware of where you're applying to and why you're applying um, to that place and what you can bring um, to the table Mm. um, to support yourself rather than relying um, on someone else. But there is definitely some, like, you know, of course there's like all the kind of Kickstarter and those kind of Patreon things that I know people use to fund residencies, which can be um, sometimes it's like, oh, why am I paying for the, your, your residency? But then I've also seen friends do incredible things with that where their their trip to a residency program like that is when they work in community arts, you can see how much they are bringing back to our arts community when they come back. And it's actually investing in our own uh, arts community by helping them get to access that residency when I was really young and this is um, I did like I made my own cookbook and sold it to my friends for five dollars um, and made a few hundred dollars to be able to, which would allow me to go on a trip and sometimes it really means just like you know thinking about what resources you have who what community can support you to get to where you are and you need to think of like what you can bring back to the community as well um and yeah Mm. i think you're
0: gonna say something
1: no i have something for q and a's yeah and i i just want to have two final kind of questions we touched on this a bit in our panel earlier on artist parents i and elize brought it up before um about Residency programs that have space to accommodate for children and families, um, or there to be another carer there as well. I'm just wondering, in terms of artist residencies, from my experience, but I might be very wrong about this, it kind of seems to be uh, more the norm that. Families are not welcome in residency spaces, and I'm just wondering: you think that there might be an unfair advantage to those who um, are able to not be primary carers for a child to undertake a residency, and that some people might not have access to these opportunities or can career development above others?
2: And um, I think there's certainly more residencies out there that are not family friendly than there are. Yeah. Um, but I would say that in the most part, that purely comes down to infra- infrastructure. Um, so I think, yeah, as I said on our website, people can search if they want a, um, you know, a family-friendly, partner-friendly res- residency, but also things like wheelchair accessibility, because ac- accessibility is another big topic um, in the residency world. So, and again, I think that purely comes down to infrastructure and resourcing. I don't think that residencies don't want people there. I mean, I'm sure some of them have the perspective that people might be less productive, um, but I would say that that's probably a naive perspective um, if there's proper um, formats and structures put into place. So I think it's a matter of people just once again doing the research and looking for residencies that will cater to their needs. Um, there's, there's also some research being done on that. We've got... Um, I'm not even sure where it's up to now, but we were partnering with an organisation in London who was looking at things like um, researching accessible residencies all around the world and compiling a a list um, because the ones on our website are just our members so yeah there is some work being done around that but I think there's definitely more that we need to do. That's great to hear that um, that is
1: happening though and I want to wrap up with one final question and when I wrote this question um, it was pre-border lockdowns um, and travel restrictions Um, and I was at a residency myself and I was kind of questioning the relevance of a re- residency just in kind of today's day and age of technology and now it seems even more relevant than ever. <laughs> I'm really interested in both of your ideas about what you think the future of residencies are going to look like over the next maybe two years and then maybe in like five years um, once we've kind of moved past our kind of current situation.
3: Um, I, I feel like yeah sort of if there's like digital space opens up more of a dialogue between like geographically different art scenes and people like that's really fantastic um and I guess it depends on what the structure of the the residencies are but I I feel like for me the like the thing that made residencies was amazing was meeting people over like a long period of time like and sort of just like general socializing and and I'm not sure whether that can be facilitated in the same way through a digital residency, whether that sort of, like, sort of bonding and closeness can happen in the same way. And I think sort of, like, the, yeah, the openness to surprise of, like, meeting, like, a broad art scene, maybe, I don't know, like, you know, maybe that could be facilitated in different ways through, like, the digital sphere, but, like... You'd hope that those sorts of things could be recreated if we do move like broadly to mostly like online sort of sort of residencies. I do feel like it's sort of you know, I think it'd be great if it became like a larger sort of yeah part of like residency programs. Cause I think that like digital residencies definitely have like really amazing merits. Um, but I'm not sure whether they you'd want them to like work alongside like in-person residencies
2: too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i think that's um very true and i think alongside is a very important word um i mean i probably wouldn't be the right person for my job if i didn't think that in person exchanges are just fundamentally important um we had a we had a we have um annual conferences all around the globe in different countries um, each year addressing different themes um, and it's aimed at sort of professional development for our members, arts residency operators and artists as well. And our most recent conference was held in Kyoto last year um, and it looked at the evolution of the arts residencies field, so the history um, and it looked at external factors that were shaping residency models and how they had adapted over time. So things like um, humanitarian crises, uh, climate change, artificial intelligence, all of these uh, factors are, are what's making residency models into what they are today. And there are some really amazing uh, models out there, things like you've probably heard of container residency, Andy, and... Um, where the the artist is literally on a shipping container. Mm. Um, Then there's, you know, residencies that are responding to, for example, the Fukushima disaster um, and that element of social change. And I think COVID will be one of these external factors that will absolutely um, change the landscape of residencies moving forward. I think... Uh, just in my own mind and based on what um, feedback I'm getting from our members all over the world, um, I think my kind of projection forward is that there will be an increase in local exchange. There will be um, a focus on virtual residencies and online residency activities that are kind of complementary to the actual physical exchanges. Um, and so that will all be interesting to see how it rolls out where Res artists is actually just about to send out a survey um, that looks at the arts residencies field specifically. So artists and arts organisations and assesses the true impact of COVID on the field. Um, and we're doing it in three parts. So we're assessing the immediate impact, medium term and long term um Impacts and really the aim is to find out what the trends are, um, what what the impacts are, of course, and to advocate um, for, you know, emergency measures and um, the sustainability moving forward. Um, the other thing that we are doing, we've got on our website already a special COVID section um, and we're looking to expand that hopefully in the future with some digital learning Um for artists and arts residencies that helps people kind of adapt. So a lot of our members for example um, are asking how they can still continue residency activity and residency operations um, without the physical exchange element. So I think these practices will be incorporated and will continue on even after COVID has Mm -hmm. finished But I do think, actually, um, arts residencies are going to play a really fundamental role when the borders reopen. I I can see that as a sort of tool for re-establishing artistic and cultural exchange.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that,
2: yeah, you guys have covered so much today. I just want to say
1: thank you to you both um, so much. And I actually just got a little bit nostalgic while you're both talking (laughs) thinking about all of the residencies I've been on the world and just um the relationships as well that you build during those times I think the first residency I went on I'm still in contact with everyone who was in that cohort with me there's been one long-term relationship that came out of that over that they've been together for over 10 years now so like those things are so special and they become so much a part of your community and the opportunity to undertake a residency like you both so can be so incredibly life-changing. So I want to, yeah, really thank you both for spending the time to discuss them with us. And we're going to head over to the Q&A, but I think Nicole has a question first.
0: Yeah, yeah I'll start Q&A. <laughs> um, well, my question, I suppose, was... Um, Just about COVID-19 and right back from the start of the conversation um, we were talking about like you know a residency being time space and resources um, and Andy added um, human exchange Um, do you think like how do you see or you know can you see any um, way of of having, um, and we did mention before we started. Um, West Space is, is doing the um, the I've now forgotten the name Andy. The, um, uh,
3: it's constant ecology, so it's West Space, Kings, Blindside, and Caves, all working
0: together. Great, right. um, and like what uh, you know, what what can a sort of um, what resources can you have aside from money, um, you know, uh, that can be offered, uh, you know, when you're essentially self-isolating doing a residency if, if that's how it's kind of set up like how how does that work with you know time time space and resources and kind of human exchange if you're kind of thinking about it like that can you guys think of any ways or like what are the ways that you've been thinking about it maybe eliza and andy um of how that might look during mm. this time
3: yeah I, I guess with constant ecology and obviously there's like a lot of us who have sort of been involved so i sort of can't speak to everybody but I, I feel like sort of discussions that have been happening have yeah sort of just thinking about what sort of support you can offer an artist and I, and I think like the sort of support at an at-home residency under lockdown is that sort of exchange mm. and so it's sort of like yeah having people who are there to check in with them and talk about their work but also having a residency program with a cohort that yeah. mm-hmm. isolation is also really good so it's just thinking about like new ways of building those sorts of relationships Mm -hmm. even if it's like because of the nature of the funding it's like it's only open to others in victoria but i i still think yeah that's sort of like yeah so obviously people have a lot maybe have a lot more time than they usually do and like there's quite a bit of you know there's a reasonable amount of money attached to the to the residency Mm -hmm. so there's those sorts of resources but yeah it's just trying to i think provide the relationships and the feedback and the networking and the ideas development that happens Mm. like an in-person residency.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think support is a very important word when it comes to residencies, Um, and I I think that that's something that will stick as one of those sort of core principles, even if virtual residencies are the new norm. Um, Support is really the most fundamental thing in my mind to making a residency successful. And um, I mean, I can just sort of give you a few examples of what some of our members are doing. So, um, Mm. for example, the the Kone Foundation in um, Finland, they have just announced um, grants that are stay-at-home residencies or or studio residencies for artists. Um, Other people are starting to look to virtual programs. Um, So... Uh, actually, Australia was one of the first countries to do a virtual residency program. It was through the Australia Council and it was through, if you remember that computer program, Second Life.
3: Wow. Wow. That's
2: such a
0: blast from the past. Yeah. yeah. the future.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. That might make a comeback. So, um Yeah, so that's one sort of example, but more so now. Um, I'll give you a more recent example, such as the Academy Schloss Solitude in in Stuttgart in Germany. Um, They have physical residency programs, but then they also have this whole online kind of residency program um, as well as an alumni program, um, which is really you know, encouraging that continued engagement and networking and outcomes to occur. So I don't think it's, it's just the actual residency that has to take place online. It's also um, the things that go with it. So, you know, virtual experiences of um, intercultural understanding, for example, um, that networking um, contacts kind of, um, kind of benefit as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suppose um, it's interesting, like, um, you know, uh, why we're not able to sort of um, have all of these kind of resources and, um, you know, exchange already, you know, like we're, you know, in in the art scene that, that, um, you know, maybe we're not having the opportunities to have as much exchange as we would like. And, um, yeah, maybe this will provide um, kind of new ways of thinking about how to... You know, even even as we open up or end social isolation, um, yeah, to be able to continue with kind of exchange and 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 supporting each other in our kind of own communities as it is, mm. yeah, um,
1: yeah. Um, I think that's actually a perfect lead-on to a question that we have from Ellie Louise, who's asking, just wondering if you have any recommendations for
0: specific local Australian residency programs? Yeah, that's a good one. I've, I've often found it quite challenging to find um, some um, residencies that are suitable for my kind of work in Australia. So, yeah, very curious to hear
2: the answer to that one, um, Eliza. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, we've got, we've got a number of members in Australia and I'll just encourage everyone to go on our website and have a look for those so you can just jump on and search for Australia and they'll all pop up. But it really depends on your practice. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm not sure what practice this person um, holds who's asking, but, um, I mean, there, there are options in every state and territory. I can sort of name some that are general in the hope that that helps the person. Um, so, in Western Australia, the Fremantle Art Centre, for example, um, would pretty much be suitable to any art form. Um, then there's um, RMIT run the International Artists in Residency program in Melbourne. That's a fantastic one, um, and some of their exchanges are reciprocal. Um, some of them are focused, like a First Nations exchange, for example. Um, Bundanon Trust is a, a very good one, and that's open to all art forms. Um, so yeah there there are options in every state and territory, but maybe if that person wants to type in what practice they
3: yeah.
2: have can I also just
0: um maybe be a bit selfish and say like is, do you, can you think of any ones that have like mega um kind of facilities I think that's what I usually struggle with is finding something that oh. um, has uh, you know um big sculpture facilities to, to kind of use. Can I that's... just
1: interrupt? <laughs> yes. Um, just there is an application open at the moment for the, if you work in video at all, for the um, Centre for, um, uh, centre what is it, the Centre for Projection Art, uh, currently seeking oh, no. proposals, and they have some money attached to it as well. And there's, I think, a mentorship that goes with it too. So um, if anyone is working at all within the field of kind of projection and video anything relating to that that's one that's local to Melbourne and um yeah has some financial support and a studio yeah um
0: I think Ellie Louise has just said fiber art practice sculptural and installation the Australian chemistry workshop offers a residency I've done that one
3: yeah yeah yeah. my my partner's done that one it looks really great um yeah, I think there's also, I'm not sure if it's still running anymore, but there was a really good one in Portland, Victoria, for, for like, textile artists, fibre artists that was going for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I feel like just sort of generally, or generally though, and thinking about, like, emerging artists and, like, artist residencies and sort of the career trajectory as you, like, get larger and larger residencies. Like, I started out, like, getting residencies through local councils, and it's actually, like... Really, Yeah, so I got one in Portsea through the Mornington Peninsula Regional Council, or whatever they're called, and, like, it was free, it was in summer, it was just, like, getting a cottage in, like, Portsea for two weeks. Awesome. And it wasn't super competitive, you didn't need a central CV, it was really, like nice and warm and homely and not like pretentious at all. Makes me
0: so sad right now. Just,
3: yeah, yeah. I don't um, do that. But yeah. like I, I think in terms of scale of opportunities, like there's a lot. And so it's like mm-hmm. yeah. So for me anyway, because like, 'cause I'm only like, you know, I'm, yeah. So like relatively like still emerging. Like yeah, those sorts of smaller opportunities really helped. To then build up to like larger ones. I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd say
1: even though it, it might be kind of seemed as a smaller opportunity it, it doesn't take away from how significant that experience oh. can be and Often um, we don't allow ourselves to have time to move beyond the community or um, space or town that we live in and to be able to experience a different part of even your own state is incredibly mm. an amazing privilege to be able to undertake something like that. And I, yeah, would totally recommend everyone to do a kind of local residency both within their state and interstate as well as overseas. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's all for questions but um, yeah unless anyone has one last burning one that they want to chuck in the q and I just want to again really thank Andy and Eliza for taking the time to share their knowledge on this subject um, I think it's been really incredibly helpful and it's been filled with so many bits of advice for anyone who is looking to apply for a residency once we're um, able to move around but uh, not just that the the that are available at the moment and to kind of explore this new terrain that we are in right now so thank you again for your time.
3: So well. thank you so much for having me
1: and um thank you for all our attendees for listening yeah
0: especially everybody who's been to every session today there's been um, quite a few yeah, of you. Good on you <laughs> thank you for joining us if you're interested in um andy's practice go and follow him
1: on instagram um and also go check out the res Artis website thanks again everyone for joining us thanks so much you Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and the elders of the lands that this podcast reaches you on today. We extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded.
1: Follow us at Podcast on Instagram or email us at ProPractPod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe on whatever you listen to podcasts on.
0: Please stay in touch, we'd love to hear what you're up to as well.